Our God in heaven, um, we have gathered here because uh, we adore your name. Thank you for this opportunity to be together as your people and collectively adore you. Thank you for this season, um, this season that uh, resets us, that um, brings us together to celebrate not only as a, a church family, but as, as a world to remember the blessing of Emmanuel, God with us. God, um, continue your work in us this morning, and may we, as we hear your word, may we leave um, adoring your name and reflecting uh, your greatness and your goodness um, to the world around us as a result of our time together in your word. We commit this time to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Our uh, scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 7, and I'm going to read um, verses 1 to 17, but I'm going to, for the sake of time, spend our time together uh, talking more about verses 10 to 17, but hopefully the whole passage will give us a little more context and help in interpreting it correctly. So, Isaiah chapter 7, verses 1 to 17. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Jashub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear. And do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it and let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand. And it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be broken to pieces so that it will no longer be a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name 
Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. When um, Tammy and I uh, went to Jamaica for our 25th wedding anniversary, um, we uh, went to get our rental car. And I asked the, the guy at the rental car agency, I said, so um, how do I get to my hotel? We were staying in a, at a Marriott, had some points to stay there at the Marriott in downtown Kingston. And I was like, how do I get to the hotel? And he said, he said, you go down to Camp Road, man. He said, and then you take a right at Camp Road. And I said, that sounds really simple. Sounds really simple. And he gave me some other directions after that. But I said, the main thing, he said, the main thing, make sure you turn a right to Camp Road, man. I said, okay. I said, I got it. I uh, got into the right side of the car, which kind of threw me off. I was freaked out by that. And I realized I was going to be driving on the wrong side of the road. And I was, okay, we're okay. Just look for the sign that says Camp Road. Well, there's a problem. Jamaica has very few signs. And, you know, I'm usually okay with, you know, people give me directions, you know, like they'll say things like, you know, you go four streets and then take a right at the palm tree. I'm usually okay with that, all right? But in, in this instance, I never saw the sign that I needed to, to find. Now, it is an island, but it's a big island, all right? And I'll, I'll tell you that to make a long story short, we did find our hotel after about two and a half hours, and by the time we got there, Tammy was ready to, to go back home. She didn't care what we were celebrating. She was ready to go back home. We got to the hotel, but, but I realized that at that point in my life that I had very, I had very much underappreciated the value of a sign. All right? we, we never found the Camp Road sign. We did find the hotel, thankful God sent, I, I still think maybe an angel to get us there. Um, a very kind uh, cab directed us there. But you need a sign. You need a sign. At, at some point, the, the vague directions will get you in the vicinity, but at some, if you're going to get to your precise destination, whatever that destination is, at some point you've got to have a number, you've got to have a street name, or you're never going to get exactly where you need to be to do what you need to do. That's where the children of Judah were. Specifically, that's where Ahaz was. You see, their hearts had been shaken. Shaken um, by what was going on around them. You know, the the context of what was going on historically. Uh, Judah, which was a southern tribe that was led by King Ahaz, uh, were being threatened, terrorized by um, the Syrians and by the northern tribes of Israel. And what, what, um, uh, what was going on, it said in, in the text, it said they were shaken like trees in the wind by their fear, the fear induced by the threats of, 
of these enemies, their neighboring enemies, to the north and, and then also to the east of them. And so uh, what, they, what they needed uh, was a sign to, to know what to do. And um, my guess is, is, is that not only were, were the people of Judah and King Ahaz not only were they the only people in history who've ever been shaken by fear. In fact, it's a, it's a pretty common thing today, isn't it? You think about the, what's happened in the last uh, 18 months, not just in our country, not just in the, but the whole world. Um, our hearts have been shaken uh, tremendously. Think about uh, the loneliness that has shaken us. You know, never in the 51 years of my existence... Um, have I seen people shamed for getting together with other people? In fact, isolation has been mandated oftentimes. And, and I'm not saying that's always been evil or bad. I'm just saying that that has driven us to a great place of loneliness. What about doubt? How doubt has shaken us. Oftentimes we find ourselves asking, am I doing the right thing? You know? We talked about, you heard your, about the elders uh, changing our COVID protocols. And we go through that as a church and as our elders at, at our church. And communities go through that. And you're like, well, is this the right thing? You know, um, or personally, you're like, should I get vaccinated? Should I not get vaccinated? And we've all got stories about bad things that happened either way. And we're kind of like, am I doing the right thing? All these doubts that just kind of weigh on us. Or loss. Think about the loss that we've all endured. You know, not being able to say goodbye to a loved one. To know that they're suffering alone in a, in a room. And you're like, this is when I want to be with them. And that's when they need me. And, and still we find ourselves um, grieving as well. Grieving um, lives. Lives ended way too early. Loss has been uh, shaken us. What about fear? You know, the fear that we feel. Uh, what if I get covid um, you know, will my life get disrupted? Um, will I lose my job? Will I be ostracized? Um, will I die? You know, all these things, they kind of just, they leave us in the state where we're kind of terrorized and shaken, not unlike Ahaz and the people of Judah. But in the midst of that, what, you, what I read and what you hear is that God provided a sign. We'll call it the sign of Christmas. Um, My hope is that that sign will provide you with uh, the intention that God had for that in those times when you find your life shaken, that you will find yourself shored up and encouraged and comforted, supported. So as we get into this text, my hope is, is that we'll look at this text and and we will walk away with the intended effect that God had uh, for Ahaz. And, and for us as his people, as that sign is repeated in the New Testament as well. So three things that I want to cover as we look at verses 10 to 17. First off, the background to this sign of Christmas. And then secondly, the sign of Christmas. We'll explain that. And then lastly, your choice, my choice, our choice is how we respond to the sign of Christmas has a tremendous tremendous impact on our lives. 
on the difference that it makes. Okay, So first off, the background to the sign of Christmas. Look at uh, verses 10 to 13 with me of Isaiah 7. It says, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. It says, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. So God's speaking through Isaiah. He says, ask for a sign. Signs is is a a pledge. It's a guarantee. Um, Oftentimes, it's it's something, it's a supernatural indicator of of God's assurance that he will do something. So, So the Lord says to Ahaz, ask for a sign. That's a command. Ask for a sign. And he says, you can ask for whatever you want. Right? Sky's the limit, is the idea. Verse 12, look how, look how Ahaz responds. But, that's usually an indicator that the person's responding contrastingly. <laughs> In this case, how God wanted him to respond. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Now, at first glance, you're kind of looking at, wow, Ahaz is a really upstanding guy, right? No, that's not the situation. Uh, Ahaz, well, he was sounding super spiritual. He sounded like he was being, you know, like, I, I can't do, I'm not going to do something like that. And he's, you know, that would be, um, I don't want to test God. And we're not supposed to test God. But in this case, God said, ask for a test. I want to show you that I mean what I say. And in fact, I keep my promises. But Ahaz says, No. And I think the reason that Ahaz said, no, I'm not going to ask for that, is because Ahaz was, was seeking to rationalize his lack of faith. He, he was, what he was trying to do was he was trying to uh, show that, or, or he was trying to do is give himself an excuse for not trusting God. And so, hey, I can, I can just say, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to test God. Yeah, and, and I, I realize that, that I do that sometimes. You know, we, um, I'll say something like, you know, I, I, uh, I don't want to do what God is telling me to do very clearly in his word, what he's already revealed, he's told me how to handle this situation, but I don't want to do that um, because I can't wait. I can't wait, you know, no telling how long God is going to take to handle the situation, so I'm just going to take action now. I can't, I can't wait for him. Or, you know what, this is such a small thing, I can take care of this on my own. I got this, you know, I don't want to bother God with this. I mean, I'll, I'll handle this on my own. Or, I mean, this is probably the worst case scenario, just like, uh, I know what God wants me to do, and quite frankly, I don't want to handle it that way, period. I'm not going to do it that way. Just flat out disobedient. But instead, how we need to respond to be something more like, I'll wait. I'll wait for you, God. Or, I'll humbly pray and ask for you to intervene. Or, just obey. Obey what he's already revealed. I um, was a very young pastor. I have aged and lost a lot of hair to prove I have uh, been a pastor a little while now. Um, but when I was a very young pastor, I was new in Michigan, and I had um, developed a relationship with a guy who was, had been a pastor. He was an elder in a local church, and we were in a Bible study together with some other young guys. And, and um, I ha- was in a situation where I really knew that I needed to confront someone. 
in our own church. This guy was in another church. Uh, his name was Dave. And um, I, was, I just found myself in a pickle. I was stuck because I didn't really want to confront that person, even though I knew God was telling me, you, you need to go confront that person. You know, Matthew eighteen fifteen it's really clear what Jesus said. Hey, your brother sins against you, you go and show him his fault in private. And, and that was, I knew what I needed to do. So I called Dave, and I, I was just looking for him to give me some sort of way out. You know, like, just excuse my lack of obedience in that situation. So I called him, I said, Dave, here's the situation. I don't know what to do. This guy's a, a leader. I just don't, you know. And he responded, he just listened so caringly and wisely. And, and he said, Rick... It sounds like you know what you need to do. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. But you lack the courage to do it. I was like, oh. He nailed it. He nailed it. It's exactly right where I was. I said, you're right. You're right. You see, um, in, in that situation, we we often know the right thing to do and and what we what we need to do at that point is not focus on what we lack in that case i lack the courage to do what i knew god wanted me to do what we instead need to focus on is the god who told us what to do and what he's already told us is so important look at look at this next verse because this is so key to the to us Responding appropriately to the sign of Christmas. Verse 13, and he said, this is the Lord speaking through Isaiah. And he said, hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? (laughs) So what Isaiah did through the Lord speaking to him is he revealed to Ahaz and he reminded him of a promise, something that God had already said. You see, you see what he said there? It says there in verse 13, hear then, O house of David. What he's doing for Ahaz is he's reminding Ahaz of the Davidic covenant, a promise. He's, he's saying, Ahaz, you are part of a dynasty that God has established. He's made a promise to you through, through your, to your father David and all of his descendants, 2 Samuel seven sixteen, that that one of David's descendants would always sit on the throne and he, David's ultimate descendant, would reign there forever. So when, when the Lord speaks to Ahaz, he reminds him, says, you're part of that house. You were included. You're part of that family. You've been given a promise by God and nothing is going to happen to the Davidic king. And so then what he goes on to do is to rebuke him. And he says, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? And notice that change there. If you look back up in verse 11, he calls the Lord Yahweh your God. But now Isaiah distances himself from Ahaz and he distances Ahaz from God and he says, my God, but he doesn't say that Yahweh is Ahaz's God. Why is that? Because Ahaz had decided that he wasn't going to trust God anymore. He hadn't really ever trusted God. And so Ahaz decided, you know, he was going to trust in himself. He was going to trust in his diplomacy. He was going to trust what he did. 
you look in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 28, Ahaz made a treaty with the Assyrians. The Assyrians were far east, all right? And so he decided that he was going to ally himself with the Assyrians, and that was going to be the way that he was going to deal with this threat that was immediate, you know, his immediate neighbors and immediate enemies, the, the northern tribes of Israel, and the Syrians, or the people in Damascus. And so he thought, okay, this will be my way of dealing with this threat, with this fear, with all these things, this terrorism that's going on, is I'm going to, I'm going to entrust myself to the Assyrians and if I ally myself with them, that's the way I'll deal with this. I'm not going to trust God. So what Isaiah was saying, he's not your God. He's my God, but he's not yours. Because you're not trusting in him, you're trusting in yourself. Trusting in your own diplomacy. Trusting in your own, your own work to get through this. Um, in, in the midst of this, do you find yourself... As you hear um, all the things going on in our world, or maybe even just things in your own personal life. Um, you ever find yourself saying, well, I'm going to trust, you know, as you, think about, as you think about the future, maybe you're going to trust in your own health and fitness. I find myself sometimes I'll go running and I'll think, you know, I'm, I'm going to beat this, I'm going to stay healthy, I'm going to take my vitamins and I'm going to run, I'm not going to get sick, right? You ever do that? Or, um, you know, there's times I'm like, I think I'm bulletproof because, hey, because, you know, I got vaccinated, so I can, like, I can just do whatever I want, you know? Go wherever I want, breathe on whoever I want. I'm just like, I'm set, right? Um, Or there's times that I go, you know, I'm putting this money away in my savings account, and it doesn't matter to me, you know, what happens to my job or what happens to anything, you know, my world, because... I'm socking away this money, and I'm protecting myself. I'm not bulletproof to any financial collapse, right? All, all the ways that, all the things we do, and, and some of those I know, silly, um, some of those very close to home, but those things that we, things that we do to try to protect ourselves, and ultimately what we're doing is we're trusting in ourselves. Don't try God's patience. Like Ahaz. Don't weary him. That's the background. Okay. There's the setting. So what is the sign of Christmas? What's the sign of Christmas? Look at verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. It's like, since, since you're not going to ask for a sign, <laughs> he'll give you a sign. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. You heard the context of this. So this was, you know, like roughly 735 B.C. And here, God gives a sign to Ahaz and there's, there's a double fulfillment of this, all right? where it's not only fulfilled for Ahaz here, but then it's fulfilled later as well for, uh, in, in Matthew through the Virgin Mary. All right? So as, as Isaiah's giving this sign from God to Ahaz, we don't know exactly how it went down, what was, you know, what, 
we're in the temple court when Isaiah's telling this, or in the royal courts when, when Isaiah's telling this to Ahaz. But it, it could have been something like, he's looking and there's a woman over there, a very young woman, who's a virgin. And he says something like, um, you know, behold, the virgin will be with child. She'll conceive and bear a son, and his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. The word that's used here, the Hebrew word that's used here in the original Hebrew text, is a word that means it, it's a, a young woman of marriageable age. Not necessarily a virgin. I'm not, I'm not, there's another word in Hebrew that means distinctively must be a virgin. All right? But the word that was used here by God is a word that had some flexibility. Very possibly, um, she, it definitely, she was a young woman of marriageable age, um, not necessarily a virgin when she gave birth to the child, not unlike Mary. There's an ultimate fulfillment. Matthew quotes this verse, speaking of Mary. And if you look in Matthew 1, 20, 21 to 23, there, it's, we, can, we can quote that or read that. Matthew 1, 21 to 23. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. This is the angel talking. This is, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, Matthew 1. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Mary was... Distinctively, she was a virgin when she, when she gave birth to Jesus. She had never been with a man. The word that's used in Greek is distinctively used of a virgin, someone who's never been with a, a man before. Right? That is, a, is, when he's quoting this, when Matthew is quoting this, he's, he's using that term, and it definitely means Jesus was born of a virgin, all right? That's the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy that goes back to Isaiah. When you go back to the Isaiah prophecy, there in Isaiah chapter 7, the, there was, that was, this was the first fulfillment of this. And so Ahaz, every time he, you know, later on, when, would go and see this girl and this child that's now named Emmanuel, who was born, he would look at that child and what he would have is this recollection of this promise that God had made him, this sign. It would be an ongoing reminder and we'll see in just a minute what the significance of that reminder would be. Um, but this, this, this promise here, and it, I'm, not diminishing, I'm not diminishing the supernatural nature of this, what I'm saying is that there had to be an, an initial fulfillment of, of this prophecy for Ahaz in order for, it to, for God to keep his word to Ahaz. And then also there was an ultimate fulfillment as well for, for Mary and Joseph and for us as mankind. All right? And the, the, the great thing about this is that it was not only a promise for them, and for Ahaz at that time, and then for Mary and Joseph then. But do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew twenty-eight twenty? 20? 
right before he ascended to heaven, after he'd given the great commission to, to, the, um, to the disciples, he said, Lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. What was he promising? He was promising his presence. So when you look at this, at this promise here of Emmanuel, this, this child born of a virgin, or Emmanuel, Jesus, born to Matthew, or for us, this is a timeless promise, is that God is with us. Jesus said, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So we have this, we have this promise that isn't just for them, it's for us as well, that God is with us. It's a sign. You, you might call it the sign of Christmas. Right? That every time we come to Christmas and we sing Emmanuel, we're reminded that God is with us. He never abandons us. He's always with us. And that he's a God who can accomplish the incredible. To even conceive a child in the, in the womb of a virgin. When we moved to Montana in fifth grade, um, you guys, I don't know how many of you have probably moved before and you understand what that's like to be the new kid on the block. And, and I, um, I had a bike and I went down at the bottom of our subdivision. There was this BMX track, you know, jumps and berms and everything. And I took my bike down there. But the, the problem was, is that I, as the youngest child in a family, had a hand-me-down bike. And if you that know my family, I have two older sisters. So a hand-me-down bike means that my bike was Alita's old bike. So that's right. It was a girl's bike. It was purple. It had one of those white banana seats with the girl bar on it and the like U-shaped handlebars. That was my bike on the BMX track, all right? I'm the new kid on the block. What happened? You guys know. I got picked on brutally. Look at that bike. Now, I could make that bike do some pretty impressive things, all right? But that didn't matter. I was the new kid on the block. I was bullied. I was picked on. I was like, man, this is pitiful. I went back home. There was a kid that lived right behind me, and uh, his name was Jim. And Jim, I was in fifth grade. Jim was in eighth grade. So he already was bigger than, than me because he was in eighth grade. But Jim was big even for an eighth grader. He was impressive. And so I told Jim what had happened, and the next time I went down to the track, Jim went with me. When I went down to that track, it didn't matter. Jim didn't have to throw any punches. He didn't have to give any threats. The only thing that mattered is that Jim was with me. He was behind me. He was with me. There was no more fear because I had Jim with me. You see, as believers, we have the God of the universe on our side. The one who conceived a child in the womb of a virgin. And he has promised to be Emmanuel, God with us. Anytime the enemy wants to mess with us, he's got to go through the God of the universe first. You have Emmanuel, the sign of Christmas. What's the significance of that? Let's unpack that a little bit in this text. And what's our choice as a result? 
verse 15 to 17. He shall, speaking of Emmanuel, he shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. What he's saying is he's going to be eating this Emmanuel, this child, is going to be eating curds and honey. Curds and honey would be not the food of royalty. That would be the food of a famine. That's like wilderness food. Sour milk and honey. He's going to be eating the food of the poor when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. So when he turns roughly 13, when he's of age of moral responsibility to know what he's doing and be accountable for that, by the time he turns 13, he's going to be eating food that would be food of poverty, of a famine. Four, verse 16, Before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. So what he's saying is, before this boy, this child that's born, Emmanuel, turns 13, these two kings that you're afraid of, the king of, of Syria and this king of Israel who are threatening you, their lands are going to be totally deserted. And it happened. It happened in history. 732 B.C., uh, the Assyrians, who Ahaz allied with, came in and they conquered the, the Syrians. In 722 B.C., 10 years later, so 13 years after this prophecy was given to Ahaz, 13 years later, the Assyrians conquered the Israelites. They took them into captivity, the northern tribes. Okay. It happened just like that. These two kings that you're afraid of, they're going to be totally taken out. Verse 17. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah. So Ephraim is Israel. said there's going to be suffering unlike any suffering you ever experienced ever since Israel left Judah, northern tribes from the southern tribes. And who is he going to bring on you? The king of Assyria. So what he's saying is, the king that you allied with is now going to turn on you. Your solution that you trusted in is now going to be bring about your demise. John Oswald uh, said it this way in his commentary. He said, whatever a man trusts in place of God will one day turn to devour him. You can see the whole story spelled out in Second Chronicles 28. Uh, it's, a good, it's a good text to look back at if we had more time. But you see, here's the choice, all right? And, and it's the sign of Christmas. It's the choice that you and I have. We have a choice where we can choose for Emmanuel to either be our advocate, our helper, our comfort, our defender, our shield, or we can trust ourselves and he will be our judge. That, that's the original context of this sign that's given. Is he, he's saying, and he said to Ahaz, look, look you ask for a sign, and, and I'll, I'll give you a sign. I'll, I'll be your protector. Just trust me. And Ahaz is like, no, I'm not going to do that. Okay, well, since you're not going to trust me, in fact, you've already decided to trust someone else, this is going to bring about your demise. And every time you look at that child, you'll be reminded of the fact you didn't trust me you'll be reminded of the fact that I am with you and I'm seeing everything that you're doing and I know how you're not trusting me and I will be your judge. It's kind of a sobering, you're like, well, it's kind of a downer on Christmas, right? That's Emmanuel. 
Our choice is, is we choose whether, whether Emmanuel, God with us, will be our advocate, our shield, our protector, our defender, our promise maker, promise keeping God, or whether he will be our judge. And, and you and I know as we look at God's word, and we, John read Revelation 22, there's come, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back and, and he'll come back to deliver us and we have all these rich promises to look forward to. God with us. He's with us now and every time we see and think of that, sing that song, Emmanuel, we have this reminder again. He's with us and he's coming back. We have all those rich promises to hold on to. And in contrast, those who said, no, I'm not going to trust him. I'm going to go my own way. We look and we think, God will be their judge. That's Emmanuel, God with us. I was playing basketball in ninth grade at Clemens High School. I guess that's the direction if I'm oriented correctly. And we were practicing and Coach Sharp um, uh, gave us instructions. to just, hey, go through your, go through your regular warm-ups, you do layups, you do passing drills, and he said, I'm going to leave, and I'll, but I'll come back. He said, so you guys do what you know you're supposed to do at the beginning of practice. So we knew what we were supposed to do. We'd done it lots of times, and so it was, a, it was a no-brainer. You just do what you're supposed to do. And so we're, we're doing everything. He leaves, and we're doing everything. We're doing our layup drills, doing our passing drills, and everything's going pretty good. And so for a little while, it just seemed like, you know, it's been a while since he's been gone a long time. And, and so then some guys maybe start pulling up instead of doing a layup, and they pull up at the free throw and take a shot and then it went from the free throw line to the three-point line take a shot and, and then and then guys are starting to shoot from half court line and they're shooting and and then guys are like starting from the the other baseline and they're chucking balls all the way down the court and it is just total mayhem there's balls flying all over the place and it's just total chaos well at some point someone i don't know if they just by chance maybe because some of the balls are flying so high he looks up in the gym it's the boys gym at clemens high school he looks up at the boys' gym, and I don't know if it's still there, but when I was there, there, was, there were these windows at the top, and there was a weight room at the top. And you know it. We look up there at the windows, and there was Coach Sharp. He was in the weight room, looking down at the windows, watching us totally do what we weren't supposed to be doing. And all of a sudden, you can imagine, everyone was like, everyone was changing, and, but it was too late. We were busted. You see, the whole time, he was with us. We didn't realize it. And now, he was our judge. (laughs) So we we have a choice. Every time you think about Christmas, it's a great time to remember that sign sing that song, Emmanuel, God with us. To think about that, that's the sign. Emmanuel, God with us. When, when you find yourself maybe shaken with fear, to remember Emmanuel, God's with you. COVID can't take your eternal life. Nor can that mean-spirited boss who's threatening to take your job. He can't take your life. He can't take your eternity. You have God with you. If you're doubting, 
Find your confidence in God with us. Emmanuel. Don't fear men. Fear God. If you're grieving, find your comfort. Find your comfort remembering that God is with you. He knows what it's like to lose a son. He knows your loss. And he's promised you a hope and a future that is far greater than you can ever fathom. So, decide to trust in the sign of Christmas. Emmanuel. It's Christmas. And like I said, any time that you find yourself thinking about Christmas, you see a tree, you hear a carol, think Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. That's a rich, rich promise. All right. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for... um, the sign, the sign given to your people, a promise that you're God with us, that you'll never forsake us. Lord, um, there are people here this morning who, who uh, are trusting in themselves, or maybe trusting in um, their own ability to to save themselves from anything. Um, I pray that today would be the day they'd say, I'm going to trust in what God has done for me in Jesus Christ. Trust in him to deliver them from their sin and from death. Instead, they would find their hope and their future and their assurance and, and what Christ has done and not what they can do. And I pray for every one of us that we would be people that would be marked with living lives, not recklessly and not trusting in ourselves or idols, but that we would trust in you, God with us. That would differentiate us from the people all around us, those who are paralyzed with fear and those who um, are concerned and broken and terrorized and shaken. And I pray that our lives would be clearly marked as people who believe that God is with us. Thank you for this sign, Lord, and thank you for this text, and thank you for this season and these reminders that we have. We pray these things in your Son's name, Emmanuel. Amen.